0: Hello, welcome to the mediocre takes Podcast. The podcast where we share our media critiques on the shows and movies we watch. I'm Mark on here with my co-host Mel. How are you doing, Mel?
1: We're not getting Christmas bonuses at work this year and everyone is mad about it. Oh. Yeah. No one likes the new GM. But you didn't hear that from me.
0: <laughs> I definitely heard that from you. <laughs> Today we are talking about Shira season four. I find it funny how we started recording Utena first, but now we're posting Shira first.
1: What's so funny about that is I make so many references of Shira in our season one recording of Utena. So when we release that, I think like next year, <laughs> I'm going to talk about like, oh, I can't wait until we watch Shira, even <laughs> though th- this came out before that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we're recording the first six episodes today and we're recording the next six episodes sometime later. But I do like the last two or three episodes of this like half so yeah let's just get started
1: episode one the coronation after queen angela's sacrifice glimmer is is crowned bright moon's new queen hordak broods as catra continues to lead the horde girl boss slay queen
0: so I feel like this could have been a more emotional episode, like less comedy, more turmoil. I feel like Castispella, I feel like she was missed Potential because she literally lost Micah and Angela. And I get that she wasn't close to Angela, but I feel like there could have been like a really interesting um, exploration about losing, was Micah her brother? Yeah, her brother. Yeah, her brother and her like stepsister, I guess. Sister-in-law. I don't know family stuff, Okay. Yeah, I feel like that was really missed potential. I really wish we got more world building in this episode, like underground caverns in the kingdom that could have been explored more. I really like Katra's new outfit. I at first didn't realize Catra got a new outfit. I wish we saw her like grab the new outfit or like change into it because that would have been like a really cool scene, especially since Glimmer gets a new outfit this season too.
1: Yeah, let's wait. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about Glimmer's new outfit. Um, I absolutely loved it and i think it was a great reflection of her like growing up and becoming a queen my favorite change of course being the pants thank god she got rid of those shorts and also catra i said this before in season two episode six to notice where shadow weaver caressed catra's hair because now that part of it she's uh, absolutely she's cut off and she has made like an effort of um like maintaining her hair and keeping it very like um put together like doing her best to try and control her hair and I also think that it is an absolute shame that Adora didn't get a change at all not even Bo
0: I feel like I kind of agree with you however I will say this I kind of like that the two characters who are supposed to marry each other are the two characters who get new outfits okay yeah
1: no that's actually clever
0: yeah yeah but I still wish we got, like, outfits for Adora and the rest of the cast and crew. Especially since they're grieving over Angela, too.
1: I just really wanted Adora to get rid of those shoulder pads.
0: <laughs> you don't like them? <laughs> no! I feel like we needed an episode before this one with Glimmer and the gang actually grieving over Glimmer's mother. Honestly, I feel like this whole episode was a lot of missed potential.
1: Yeah. Hordak brooding is one of the most pathetic things I think I've ever seen and I've watched Kyle like it just kind of felt like they were trying to shove the idea of Hordak and Entrapta being friends down our throat and that's simply never going to happen mostly because well I don't like the idea of them being close but also because I don't really think we got enough scenes to sort of show that sort of companionship. There were scenes of them, of course, but I don't think enough or ones that seemed, like, really valuable. It also sort of felt like they were trying to make me like Hordak and hate Katra, with that last scene where they practically swapped places. Catra sort of taking on the mantle of controlling the Horde, but it just made me love Katra more. Like, this bitch is making money moves. Episode 2, The Valley of the Lost. Perfuma, Huntara, Bo, and Adora travel to the Crimson Waste to pick up Mara's ship. They face some trouble with the Horde, but complete their mission. Catra makes a new friend, dot dot dot, or does she?
0: I honestly feel like they should have implemented Double Trouble in the earlier seasons. I forgot how amazing Double Trouble is also. I really love them. I really like how Adora changed her sword into a bracelet. I feel like that's a smart move, like animation-wise. I don't know how that would work though, like animation. But anyways, oh, so I saw a comment under our videos where someone says that for someone who travels on foot, however, I will also say, I I don't know, I found that strange. It was, it was a weird moment. I love when that one girl says Huntara's gone soft. Oh yeah, Uh, that one scene where like uh, Huntara says to Adora that she's gone soft and then the same thing happens to Huntara. I just really like that.
1: Double trouble was the best thing to ever happen to this show. And I do think that now actually would be the perfect time for them to be put into the show because this season is very much about like people falling apart and Double Trouble is the catalyst for a lot of those situations. So they were a character that was created to sort of like, you know, push things into motion. So in that way, I feel like this was actually the perfect season for them to be in. I also think that like, I don't know, things were just like, just a little bit more silly in the beginning and (laughs) Double Trouble very much is like an agent of chaos in a way that we haven't seen before. When they were first introduced, truly, I was shook and all I could think about was like how much drama they were gonna start, which is a lot, fun fact. Also, I loved how they used their trip to the desert to show some character exploration and progression between. Both Perfuma and Huntara. Episode three: arena Bo, Adora, and Shitface. Oh, sorry, Swiftwind. Attend a party for them at the newly liberated elveron While Shira and Swiftwind separate from the party, the horde captures uh, everyone at the party. Bo and the party are able to save Shira and Swiftwind, and the rebellion gains a new ally. Or do they?
0: Are you gonna keep doing that?
1: no these are the only two that i do that for okay okay
0: i think this episode was just okay i like it but i don't like how obvious it is that the bot was a trap like i felt like they could have done something more elaborate with that i love the way double trouble's eyes close in a different way from everyone else it's it's really interesting to watch I have mixed feelings on dreams and media to represent what the characters are feeling at the moment, and I think that this did an okay job when it comes to Katra's dreams. I'm glad that we actually got to see her inner turmoil in this episode because I wasn't sure how they were going to handle that.
1: Yeah, guys, Katra has nightmares about the bad things that she regrets, okay? So don't be mean to her. <laughs> God, I feel like I'm like defending my cult leader or something. <laughs> Yeah, Adora loves big muscly women confirmed. I didn't immediately clock that Flutterina was Double Trouble just because Flutterina matched the energy of like Frosta around Glimmer. So in the last moments of this episode where we do see the eyes switch to Double Trouble, I audibly gasped. I also forgot how painful every interaction Catra has with literally everyone in this season. Like, I physically grimace every time Scorpia tries to talk to her. I do wonder though, was there no one at that party who saw Flutterina and thought, whose child is that? Cause that little girl came up out of nowhere. And the only two possibilities are that either Double Trouble created this kid. Or they took the um, spot of a kid who was just there. Which, if it's that second one, then it brings up so many more questions.
0: Wait, so I'm kind of confused. I kind of swore when I first watched this that there was like an original Flutterina, but there isn't.
1: There's an original Flutterina in the original cartoon.
0: No, no. I'm talking about was like in, in this version. Like, was, was there? there? I kind of swore don't remember. when I first watched this, there was, but I may be wrong.
1: Episode 4, Pulse. Bo got injured during a scouting mission and Adora personally tracks down the bot that injured him and is ambushed. Glimmer learns from Shadow Weaver and takes down a bot factory.
0: I'm actually sad by how underutilized Spinnerella and Natasa were used. Like, they kind of been such a cute side queer character couple. But no, you just had to make them characters that barely got any lines. Honestly, I don't know why Adora is still friends with Glimmer when Adora's literally like- you're, you're hanging out with my abuser and she's like but i'm just a slay boss queen who has sparkles
1: i'm sorry that's kind of funny i don't know why i sorry i don't know why i ever thought about it that way because it, no it's literally like hey this girl like abused me and my best friend our whole childhood <laughs> and glimmer's like but she's teaching me things.
0: (laughs) are you dying (laughs) i'm crying (laughs) okay
1: fun fact guys i'm a i'm a laugh crier i'm a cry laugher share this podcast if you're also a cry laugher so I understand that it makes sense that Glimmer has to stay back for her queenly duties and that makes for a great way to put the spotlight on some of the minor characters. But did she have to be replaced with Swiftwind? I love Natasa and Spinerella and I think they should have replaced Swiftwind in general because he honestly didn't do much in this episode. Like we didn't need him. He wasn't really important at all. Like, he was important in the previous episode because he did, like, some friendship bonding shit with Adora when, uh, when they were trying to get out of the trap. But, like, there was no reason for him to be here, and he was taking up real estate in my gay cartoon. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I love every interaction between Catra and Glimmer, especially their fights, and this one is excellent. Like, Glimmer has gotten much more powerful after becoming queen, and any fight scene she's in now is just so much more exciting. Also, Glimmer literally has, like, a sparkle ray. So, let me explain Catra and Double Trouble's dynamic. It is very simple, actually. Catra doesn't know how to have friends, and she doesn't really want one after Adora, but she'll settle for a partner in crime. And she has some standards for that role. So, A... They have to go along with her plans. B, they have to be a valuable asset. And C, they have to be able to handle her war crimes. Entrapta didn't work as one because she never really listened to Catra other than when she was told she was abandoned. But she still had a moral compass that she stuck to, for example, season three, episode four. Now, Scorpia, she went with Catra's plans, though she always tried to put a positive spin on it, and she tried to be a valuable asset. But Katra just never saw her as an equal. And, as we're all aware, Scorpio always wanted to be more than just a business partner. And that was never on the table for Katra. But Double Trouble, they fit this role perfectly. So perfectly, in fact, Katra starts to see them as an equal, as someone who embraces her vision and builds upon it. They become what Catra wanted Adora to be. And I am so clever for figuring that out on my own. Episode 5, Protocol. A spore storm falls over the Whispering Woods, trapping Adora in a First One's temple, and Lonnie, Rogelio, and Kyle get stuck in a transport vehicle. Adora learns more about Light Hope, and Lonnie, Rogelio, and Kyle learn about friendship? Question mark.
0: I really like Kyle, Ronnie, and Rogelio's side plot because it really fleshed out the, their characters. I feel like Adora's plotline is kind of annoying because it was kind of repetitive. Catra is so unhinged and I actually like how crazy she sounds. I really feel bad for Kyle and I don't know why everyone hates him. Like, like he's just a kid. Like, I don't <laughs> What <know>. the fuck? <laughs> what?
1: He's just, he's just a baby. <laughs> That's what you sound like
0: yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he he's just a baby, you know? Someone hey, needs I, to
1: be the punching bag, Marco. Someone? Yeah, someone. Does he? Do yeah. they?
0: I really enjoyed that scene where Lonnie and Rogelio go outside to help Kyle. Also, speaking of which, I saw I was like looking on YouTube this one day, and since I was like watching share videos because I wanted to like know what happens in the next season, I accidentally stumbled across a video of someone shipping Rogelio and Kyle. It was kind of strange. Like they just shed a bunch of videos of Rogelio and Kyle hanging out. But it felt kind of weird because he was like an animal thing, like a lizard, and and Kyle's a human. I just want to mention that
1: to play devil's advocate, <laughs> Catra, technically. <laughs> 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 I mean, I think that relationship is gross too. But Katra technically.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So you accept interspecies?
1: I mean, to an extent, I guess. But I don't accept. Gay relationships, <laughs> okay. Just to clarify, I'm not into like bestiality or anything. <laughs> like, can I clarify that?
0: Yeah, you can, you definitely should. I, I was like, weird, weirded 2nd I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute.
1: Because, in the parameters of this in, the, in this universe, Catra technically Let's just say,
0: she's just a furry.
1: Stop, don't say that, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> she's like a cat human like there is no there is there so what to what extent do we would we accept relationships like this because katra and adora seem to be a fine pairing but people draw the line at rogelio and someone else is it because he is not human enough
0: that's a good point because he
1: is humanoid he has like Mm -hmm. opposable thumbs and he he seems very like conscious and competent
0: but anyway Anyways, how, we're going how off that topic. Prop-
1: okay whatever i'm just saying i'm just saying there's things okay, that okay. need to be discussed
0: I, yeah i agree with you but back back to what we were talking about
1: something that really upsets me about rogelio's character is that they flip-flop on whether or not people can understand him there's literally a scene where Lonnie is listening to what she's saying and then repeating what he's saying in english so we understand what he's saying but she understands what he's saying but at the end of the episode he's giving this speech and kyle and lonnie look at each other like confused like they don't understand what he's saying and they're like yeah sure buddy so what's the deal now notice how every time catra loses her cool her hair gets a bit messy and after she calms down she puts it back in place it's almost as if her hair is an analogy for her state of mind I think. I don't know. I failed I. B. English, so I'm not sure if that's the right word to use. Once again, Adora's trying to get answers is mixed in with a subplot that is kind of boring. And I say that because this is the first episode that we really got to explore the dynamics between Lonnie, Rogelio, and Kyle. And it's the fourth season. It sort of just felt like the writers wanted an episode to explore light hope a little bit more. But then they're like, what can we add into this? And they're like, oh, we have characters that we haven't really talked about before. Let's just throw them in there
0: yeah i feel like light hope should have been like a bigger plot point in the first season when we first met her
1: okay the one interesting scene from the three goons was when kyle was trying to bring up a good memory and the only one he could think of was the false one from the portal incident like when he brought it up and everyone was like dude that didn't happen like damn imagine having a life so bad also light hope in love with mara confirmed and Light Hope deleting that memory is giving major internalized homophobia vibes. True fact. Episode 6, Princess Scorpia. Flutterina sows the seeds of jealousy between Glimmer and Adora. After finding out the recordings Hordak needs isn't Emily, Scorpia gives Catra a false broken chip before leaving the Horde with Emily.
0: Honestly, the fight between Adora and Glimmer was kind of hard to watch. I stole off Double Trouble and I'm really interested to see if Scorpio connects with the jewel thing because I kind of forgot about the jewel and and I remember watching this and I'm pretty sure it goes nowhere. So, does it?
1: It does, like at the end.
0: Oh, so she does connect to it at the end? Yeah. But how big of a plot point is it?
1: She needs to connect to it in order for the big thing to happen in the season. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate the world building in this episode too. I feel like we could have gotten more of that earlier in this in this series because I really wanted to know what happened to Scorpio's like father and stuff. Or was it grandfather? Father?
1: Grandfather.
0: Um, like she hints at it but then she never goes anywhere with it other than the fact that like we I think he might be like dead or like he was betrayed or something like that
1: scorpia has lesbian moms confirmed but seriously we do need to take a moment to talk about how cute that family photo was especially since it made me so much more interested in scorpia like she is one of those characters that makes me want more seasons of this show because her backstory is so interesting and it is an integral part of the story and I don't know why we didn't get more episodes about her, because there were definitely a good amount of scenes that could have been cut out in order to make time for more Scorpia lore. Also, proud of her for finally standing up for herself and leaving a toxic relationship, Quinn.
0: I also really agree with you. I like it when Scorpia left, and I really like that line, you're a bad friend. Really hit hard. Yeah.
1: Mm. Especially since Catra always had Scorpia in her ear, like, rationalize everything that Catra was doing and sort of just, like, put a positive spin on it and everything. So for Scorpia to finally be like, you're kind of horrible, I feel like really hit home for Catra. Mm-hmm. Um, as it should. Get your shit together, girl boss queenslay. This was also a great episode to show the darker side of Glimmer and how her and Catcher are going down the same path this season and I absolutely loved it. Catcher going off at Hordak and telling him he
0: doesn't need a princess in his life? Girl, your projecting is showing. Uh, you know what I find funny? I find it funny that we've been like posting nonstop the last two weeks. When usually we barely even post.
1: I know, right? And it's because of you. Me?
0: I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank yeah. you.
1: Yeah, I decided to spoil our listeners, but don't get used to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, really, do, don't do get used to it, you guys. I posted a little story on our Instagram saying that we're going to like post a lot this week, so you better like edit a lot. So
1: I'm going to edit so hard. <laughs> okay. Episode 7, Mer Mysteries. The Rebellion almost crack under the pressure of finding out who's the spy. They set a trap and catch Double Trouble. After being caught, they let the Rebellion know that Salinas has already been captured.
0: This episode was kind of annoying. Uh, and I know that this episode could have been better if the Warriors played the long game and waited to reveal Flutterina was Double Trouble. Honestly, it felt like a waste of my time. The jokes weren't that funny for the most part glimmer is still annoying honestly i don't know why i can tolerate catra but i can't tolerate glimmer
1: i get into this in later episodes but i have to be honest with you marco i forgot that glimmer started growing on me during season four i like her falling down this dark path really made me think maybe i do like her
0: <laughs> i feel like she's girl bossing a little too close to the sun
1: exactly that's what i love about it
0: and that's why you like her. yeah that's why you like her
1: (laughs) yeah i don't know i'm starting to see a pattern i didn't think i actually had not like an not an obsession or anything but how do you say like a preference for angry female characters i guess angry and stubborn female characters i think i forgot to mention this in episode four but if we are to believe Indy Stevenson's joke tweet about all the times Catra has died. Technically, she died while she was fighting Glimmer, which makes the fight so much funnier to watch. Like, rewatching it with the knowledge that at some point, whether on purpose or accident, technically, Glimmer executes Catra, and that is kind of funny some people would call this a filler episode and they'd be wrong because this is exactly how the rebellion would find out who's a spy. Could there have been a more exciting way of showing that? Maybe. But who doesn't love a good whodunit episode? Seeing their whole plan unravel and how Double Trouble was able to fool all of them was so fun. Okay, the little cameo of Natasha and Spinnerella and how it was obvious that their date was interrupted. I just love that little inclusion. Did anyone see the parallels between Adora asking Glimmer to stay and how Catra asked Adora to stay? No? Just me? Okay. Also, I know that Glimmer and Adora used their strained connection to spring a trap to catch double trouble, but I also loved how when they were arguing, they weren't lying. It wasn't an act. Those things they said to each other is just how they actually feel about each other, and I love that at this point in the show, They're no longer leaning on the whole friendship heals all shtick. It's more realistic. And I love that so much that as they're growing older, they're also, I don't know, becoming more emotionally complex. It's also kind of funny how they didn't just automatically assume the spy was the person who showed up just before the horde suddenly knew their every move. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, episode eight, Boys Night Out. Bo, Seahawk, and Swiftwin have the least threatening boys' night out the world has ever seen. They are captured by pirates, and before they're traded to the horde, the girls save them. Glimmer and Adora go their own ways.
0: I hated this episode. I feel like we should have gotten more of a reaction from the rebellion over what we'll happened in the past episode than just antics of the boys. I think Cater forgot that she's the one in charge right now. Because, did she forget that she defeated Hordak and everything? That- that just kinda confused me. Because Hordak was acting like he was in charge sometimes when Catra was like, Yeah, I'm- I'm the boss right now, so. This episode did feel like filler. I liked it when Catra said winning wasn't satisfying as she hoped. I hate that Glimmer blames the death of her mother on Chira slash Adora. It was extremely hard to watch. When Bo started talking about how it's hard to be the happy-go-lucky guy all the time, I really had skipped that part of the episode because it, it felt really cringy. And that's on paradont.
1: <laughs> stop! Literally stop! But it was kind of this. This uh, I don't want this to sound bad, but it was kind of nice to see Bo sad because like we never see him like that. So it just kind of
0: yeah, I agree with you.
1: Yeah, I like seeing him um, uh, look defeated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we love that stan i really need less jokes in this season
1: yeah the c- comedic relief characters like swift wind and seahawk sort of felt out of place in a objectively more serious season so whenever they came up it just felt kind of weird i understand that adora is looking out for glimmer because she feels bad for what happened to angela but it's also kind of irritating like the bitch has repeatedly said she's not staying back she's fighting And every time they argue, it reminds me of the arguments Catra and Adora had and how after the argument, Catra would actively do the opposite of what Adora wanted her to do, kind of like what Glimmer is doing, though... Of course, obviously, I know that Catra and Glimmer both have their own motives and aren't just doing what they're doing because some blonde square shook her finger at them. I'm just saying, I see the parallels. It also highlights Adora's number one problem, which is that she believes she can fix everything and that she needs to know how to fix everything. Also, we don't know how much time it's been from when Scorpia and Emily left, but the fact that Catra just, like, just now noticed is kind of sad. Okay, this is the first time I've, I've ever had negative feelings towards Catra, but when she was trying to contact Scorpia, she said, stop being so sensitive. Something about that. I don't know. Like, I don't like to say I get triggered, but that made me- she fucking irritated me so much when she said that. So that Angela comment, Glamour at Adora, I can't be mad at her. I cannot be upset at what she did because, yeah, it, it wasn't Adora's fault, truly, but I can't be mad at her for saying it. Ah, uh, she's kind of like she, like, like you said, she's bossing too close to the sun, which is why I love it. Anyway, mermista's remix of the Friends with Friends song was super nice. Oh yeah, something, something. The song was a play on words to show the rift between the best friend squad. Something, insert literary device here. Blah blah blah. I failed Ivy English. Oh wait, I already made that comment last time. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Episode nine, Hero. Madame Raz makes a pie with adora No, wait, Mara. No, definitely Adora. Well. Sometimes Mara and sometimes Adora. Adora finds an important first one's disc and finds out the truth about Mara.
0: I absolutely adored this episode, but I do wish we got this episode, like, early in season 4. Also, how is Raz alive if Mara was alive, like, a thousand years ago? I don't think we'll ever get an answer to that.
1: Dude, she's just time-traveling. Like, canonically, she's uh, time-traveling.
0: Okay. But, but how does that work? Like... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is that never explained?
1: It's never explained how she's time traveling, but it's literally confirmed that she is genuinely time traveling.
0: So she's just girl bossing yeah. as always. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I feel like I'm gonna say girl boss a lot today. I feel like we need more context for what's happening to Madame Raz. I love Mara's design and her magical transformation it was great as well. Okay, so I don't really understand this, but how does magic work in this show? Like, I know about the rune stones, but you can still use magic without them. Anyways, I'm pretty sure we get an answer to this in the next season. Oh, another thing. Okay, so I thought that only the first ones can activate Shira, like the AI thing says. I forgot the AI's name, but then Madame Rance says that the planet chooses Shira.
1: Okay, I can explain this because it did take me a while to fully understand it. So the thing is that the planet chooses Shira and what the first ones did was they created the sword to control Shira.
0: Yeah, I feel like that could have been like discussed a bit more or explained a bit more. Oh I really like that scene where Mar like put her sword down and the light was coming out of her eyes and everything. It's kind of sad but looked really fucking cool. So you know I don't care if she was hurting. It was really cool.
1: (laughs) Marco (laughs) I don't care if that bitch died she looked cool. It's kind of cute that Swift one checks up on Raz. It's like the one endearing thing about him. So I don't like time traveling. It makes me angry. But the way the writers implemented time traveling to link Mara and Adora together and be a conduit to be able to tell Mara's story to not only us, but also the characters was interesting. I think that Madame Raz's way of time traveling would be confusing to a lot of people. Much more confusing than sort of like the generic time traveling. Which I first assumed would make me angry, but now that I think about it, no. Like that's actually like really cool time traveling.
0: I just saw something. Madam Razzly really said, "I'm gonna grow boss so hard that I'm gonna go back into the past and into the future." You know.
1: <laughs> she Play. did, but sadly, she cannot control her power because she is just too girl bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Light hope going against her programming, cause Mara asked her. Gay robots in my children's cartoon—more likely than you think. Also, Pete Mara's she suit, keep that design in mind, but also notice how it compares to Adora's She-Ra suit. Adora's current She-Ra suit looks like the kid version of Mara's final she suit, which I'm kind of just now realizing, and I guess it makes sense as to why Adora's she suit looks like that, but it still just looks fucking stupid. Remember what Raz told Mara about Shira. Her people may have created the sword, but She-Ra has been around forever. Every time I watch this episode, I cry. Just the last interaction between Mara and Raz, where she promises to bake a pie with her tomorrow, and then she never comes back. That is so fucking like sad and heartbreaking, especially since promises are a pretty big deal in that show. It's not a word used willy-nilly. They really only use it in very important scenes, and that was definitely one of them.
0: Yeah, Madame Raz is like a really tragic character. Like, it's it's really sad to think about her.
1: yeah she's like one of the only characters where it's like no she was just kind of like put in the situation like her situation is genuinely Mm -hmm. really tragic like everyone else you can sort of see Mm -hmm. where they went wrong and put themselves in a situation madame raz was just a granny trying to be a granny
0: yeah yeah
1: there will be peace throughout the galaxy light hope says calmly remember that as well if we had to go through those boring Shira lore episodes where we barely got anything and was kind of just wasting time, in order to get this episode, I think it was worth it. This is literally one of the most important episodes of the whole show. Let's talk about the pie scene for a second. I cried during Mara's promise scene. I bawled during the pie scene. Raz remembered to make the pie for Mara. Honestly, it was just kind of reminiscent of Uncle Ira celebrating his dead son's birthday in Avatar The Last Airbender. Anyway, I don't handle death very well. Even fictional death. So. Episode 10. Fractures. Scorpia makes it to Bright Moon and asks the Rebellion's help in saving Entrapta from Beast Island. Glimmer demands they all stay, but Bo, Adora, and Swiftwind go behind her back and travel there using Mara's ship. Katra is so very close to victory.
0: I love it at the beginning of the episode where double trouble says that outfit isn't working for you to glimmer iconic glimmer is such a hypocrite she's really frustrating in this season Katra looks weird with her headpiece on i don't know if you noticed that but but like the ears are just like on the sides of her head about the
1: headpiece i feel like they did a great job at showing just how close to the edge Katra is during her like mental breakdown with including her taking her headpiece off. Like we went 35 episodes without seeing her bare face. We even saw that she slept with it on. Even Corrupted Catra during the Portal episode had her headpiece on. So I'm really glad that they chose an important moment to have that event happen and it didn't happen in some like generic fight scene or something. That headpiece meant something to her and has been a part of her identity since episode one. So I'm glad that her taking her headpiece off meant something.
0: Oh, I love Scorpion. I wish we got more time with her in this episode. I wish we got someone to point out how terrible Glimmer treated her mother and how much of a hypocrite she is. Because she's she's acting like her mother now. She's like, Don't don't leave. I ban you from leaving. And then that's exactly what like Glimmer's mother said to Glimmer.
1: That's why I love her. She's so messy. I love how it's canon that Bright Moon is pretty easy to infiltrate. And also, even though they've been at war for like decades, they still don't have a proper prison. Okay, the panicked ship flying is a reoccurring bit that I never get tired of. I don't know exactly why, but it is so funny to me every time. Double Trouble's confession about not being able to cry on cue and how they have to use tears of laughter from thinking about kids getting hurt is funny and also so on brand for them. Episode 11 beast island bow adora and swift wind find micah bright moon's long to be believed deceased king in an attempt to stop the horde glimmer teams up with light hope in order to use the heart of etheria
0: i like the way micah acts in this episode and that's it i don't really have anything to say about this episode
1: get ready for me to speak then i love that even though they've changed almost everything from the original show they still add easter eggs along the show I pointed out some of these before and there was another one in this episode. Micah referenced Glimmer having a stuffed animal named Cowl, which you can find in some of the background shots of her bedroom. But Cow was this gay-looking moth creature from the original Shira show. I just like how most of the references from the previous show in this have been subtle and tasteful. Using the janked up first ones tag as a red herring for why Adora couldn't change to Shira was so clever. Also, her overcoming her doubt and turning back into Shira would have also been a great moment for Shira to have changed at least a part of her suit, just saying, "Anyway, I've been a day one glimmer hater. And for good reasons, I'd argue, But at this point in the show, the tides have turned and it's a mix of me just loving stubborn and angry characters and the fact that in regards to everything that's led up to this episode, she kind of, in my opinion, has a perfect reasoning for why she's doing what she's doing. Episode 12, Destiny, Part 1. Bo, Adora, Micah, and Swiftwind successfully save Entrapta and make their way back to Bright Moon to warn slash stop Glimmer. Glimmer and Scorpia make their way to the Black Garnet catra is found out
0: i love that the robot is sentient the robot that entrapta was on is sentient and i really like that i like that gives the thumbs up to entrapta so kyle stands up for lonnie in this episode and i love that for him kyle's we used to
1: be friends line falls so flat given the fact that we've literally never had a scene where they've all acted like friends the one time we've seen something close to that was when reality was being torn apart So like any power that scene could have had is rendered to nothing because there is no supporting evidence for that line.
0: And I agree with you. I I find it funny also that when Adora first leaves the Horde, Lonnie says, watch it, Catra. Adora won't be here to protect you anymore. Um, Which also shows that they weren't really friends in the first place. I feel like Glimmer was kind of manipulative when she was talking to Scorpia. Like she says her friends abandoned her when that's not what happened. Her friends just disagreed with her on what they should do because Glimmer was going to like do something that might destroy the entire world.
1: I actually was going to ask you if you thought that her pep talk was manipulative. And I would then ask you, do you think that her spending time with Shadow Weaver has maybe made her sort of take on shadow weaver's negative traits like manipulation and do you think that do you genuinely think that she was purposefully manipulating scorpio
0: that's that's a tricky one i'm not sure if i think she was purposely manipulating scorpio because i I feel like i don't know glimmer like that i feel like she was like put yeah she was definitely putting like all her energy into scorpio and like was was like projecting projecting yes she was projecting yeah she was definitely doing that so yeah
1: i feel like shadow weaver has corrupted her in the same way that she's like corrupted catra
0: i would disagree i, I don't really feel that way like i feel like that was like glimmer was always like that
1: maybe awoken something yeah because i can see glimmer. yeah that can, like yeah because i can see glimmer sort of like teetering towards the dark side in like her her just like angsty phase because you know her her mom just like disappeared Mm -hmm. but i think that shadow weaver showed her a path and like held her hand and is like oh you want to go down here
0: and and especially when she told glimmer like you have way more power than your mother or your father yeah um so yeah also i just realized this but i don't know why they don't go back for glimmer's mom now that portals exist I love that Entrapta says that she only got back to her real self because there was a ship that was intact and not because Bo was talking about friendship. Okay, so why does Glimmer leave her- Oh, wait, actually, I know this one already. But what I wrote before I saw the next episode was, why does Glimmer leave her kingdom undefended? Again, I don't like Glimmer. But then we learn in the next episode that Glimmer didn't know what was going on because of Double Trouble.
1: I will not defend Glimmer. But I do like her in this season. I think my first watch through of this show this was the exact episode where i stopped skipping the intro like the intro song when the stakes were getting at its most staking something about that song just hit hard we truly must find every bit of strength that we have and never let it go ladies also (laughs) i giggle also catra weekly sang double trouble you came back Katra, GET YOURSELF TOGETHER, YOUR PATHETIC IS SHOWING. So Shadow Weaver using the same manipulative motherly tactic on Glimmer? She really is a one-trick pony, huh? Double trouble spilling the beans about Catra to Hordak? I can't be mad at them because I just genuinely cannot get mad at true chaotic characters. I don't have it in me. Episode 13, Destiny Part 2. Catra gets a wake-up call. The Heart of Etheria is set off, but Shira stops it by breaking the Sword of Protection. Horde Prime plans to acquire the superweapon.
0: I like that Scorpio's power is lightning, though I will say I don't understand why her power is lightning since she's a hybrid, like a Scorpion hybrid. So yeah, that's kind of weird. I really like the scene where Adora fights back, the the light was coming out of her eyes and shining and everything. Like I did with Tamara, and that was like a really cool scene to watch. And so I really liked that scene. The animation was great. I do not like Horde Prime's character design. What's your opinion on that?
1: Um, my opinion on that is I really think they were going for this sense of purity. And I think they did a really good job in regards to him being an all white. And I think it makes sense that he'd have four eyes because it's sort of like he sees all he knows all. And I actually it's sort of like how his hair is used as something he uses to sustain the body he's in, but also like fuck up his clones. So in general, I think that for what they were going for in season five, I actually sort of think it did a really good job. Really? Yeah. Was it the eyes, Marco? Mm.
0: I think it was the dreadlocks. I don't know. Something about them. Especially on his character. Oop.
1: Well, at least he's a black black voice actor.
0: uh uh really yeah i feel like that makes it worse
1: <laughs> wait can i say something can i speak my truth yeah the two evil characters in the show <laughs> horde prime and shadow weaver are both voice acted um by black people <laughs> what does that mean it means they did a great job at voice well, acting
0: well at least they yeah, have is Bo voice acted by a black yes. person
1: and his parents yeah, they, they did a pretty good job in regards to casting for voice acting for like in regards to race they did it right
0: controversy <laughs> anyways yeah his design just gives me bad vibes i like that catra uses glimmer to survive from horde prime i don't think i wrote this down because i forgot to but i really like it when double trouble like calls out catra and catra comes like a moment
1: scorpia saying seems like it's a pretty slow day in the Fright zone followed by Hordak doing some light reconstruction. Was so silly to me. Okay, we're back at it again. If Andy Stevenson's joke tweet about the times catcher has died is canon, at some point during her fight with Hordak, she flatlined. But also, this was such a good fight. Like, the slow-mo of her socking him in the face, breaking his blaster, tearing his power source out of his suit, and then pushing him just under the falling metal, beautiful, truly. And then Double Trouble's monologue to katra it was beautiful, truly, and is what she needed to hear. My only issue with it is the implication that Katra was always the problem in her relationships with others, and you can make that argument with most relationships. But they threw in Shadow Weaver, and I was just sitting there with a frown on my face, because, like, in that specific relationship, Catra was, in fact, not the problem. She was a child but other than that yeah amazing wake up call for catra double trouble is like if shadow weaver was fun because both of them manipulate others and don't really have alliances always picking the winning side but at least double trouble will make a show out of it okay seeing true light hope which is like mara's light hope battle with like the reprogrammed light hope was really fun to watch mostly because it made me like her as a character I especially loved the scene where it was switching between the two voices when saying don't do it. Reprogrammed Light Hope was saying don't, and then like the true Light Hope was saying do it. I don't know. Something about that was just so amazing. And I think that was a great way to finish Light Hope's character arc and just like finish the character. Oh, Marco, did you watch the show when it was finished? Like when all five seasons came out? Okay. Because I started watching this during season two. In the amount of stress, I felt knowing I'd have to wait like six grueling months to f- find out whether or not these 2D characters would kiss or if I spent all this time just being baited. Like, <laughs> you don't understand. I was genuinely so stressed. And I remember like this came out and I woke up early for it. Uh, season five, I woke up early for it. And I was like, I just remember sitting there right before I started being like. Season four ruined me. If they don't fix it, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I just I just miss those times. Those are much simpler times. Contra you know what? Okay, let's go back to what you said about Horde Prime. You said he gave you the hippie jeebies. But isn't he supposed to?
0: I mean, I guess.
1: I don't know. I feel like he was he's a really good big baddie you know I, I think he had a really good character introduction it was i don't know how to say this the soothing tone he had where it felt like everything he was saying was manipulative and he was and then his immediate intensity towards hordak after finding out his traitorous ways and how he immediately like fucking eliminated the target something about that it did a really good job of setting up what he does in season five also what did Horde prime say He's going to use the weapon to bring peace and order to the universe. Who has said that before? Question mark, question mark, question mark. The first ones. It was the first ones. Okay, I'm done.
0: Overall, I think this is a decent season. Actually, I think it's more than decent. I think it's really good. I will say, I feel like there's way too much filler for the beginning. I needed more of, like, Madame Raz, Mara, and all of that plotline. Like, I needed it to be, like, extended longer, so that way we got more explanation to all the little pieces that were, like, in the middle of the story. I really like Double Trouble. I'm glad we got to see them this season, and yeah.
1: This season was a complete 180 from all the other seasons in the best way possible. They dropped the whole friendship can fix everything motto in such an organic way. They set up the breakup of the best friend squad in a believable way that didn't make me think, well, they just did that because they need a reason for Adora to break the sword. Like... No, the motives for all the characters made sense, and not only that, but I loved watching them have that internal struggle that would have been glossed over in the previous seasons with the friendship band-aid. Like, we actually get to see them sort of struggle with their negative emotions, and that was kind of a breath of fresh air, honestly. Okay, well, I'm sure I'm not the only one who doesn't just need a breather, but also a palate cleanser. So I hope you brought something good, Marco, because it is time for the Mediocre Minute, which is a tiny little micro-moment where me and Marco recommend books, comics, music, games, and more for you all to check out while I yell at Marco for not understanding Catra the way I do. My recommendation is the comic series Avant-Guards by Carly Houston. Lesbian and sports, you can't have one without the other, and that's what you'll get with this comic. It's three volumes long. There's angst, of course, but nowhere close to being what you get in Shira. It's also a story about friendship, but it's not fed down your throat like a mama feeding her baby. My only issue, I would say, with that comic is how they deal with the Charlie issue in the third book. It just felt a little too blamey on charlie i mean it just didn't make me feel good but other than that it was a pretty good comic marco what is your recommendation
0: my recommendation is a manga that has been turned into an anime called nichijo i have talked about this anime in our favorites of anime but the manga basically follows these three girls who are in middle school or high school and the antics they go on while that's happening there's also another plot Of this girl that's like I don't know 11 that's like a doctor and really smart and she creates this robot and this robot wants to be human and it's about the jokes that happen because of this plot it's really wild and wacky and I really love the anime but the manga is really good too I will say if I have one one small thing that I don't like about this anime slash manga it's that there's like I think it's in the anime I'm not sure if they have this in the manga but there's this like kind of like oh I'm I have a crush on you as a girl, like, we're both girls, and the other girl is like, oh, oh, that's, I don't know how to react, and, the, uh, and then the original girl, that's it, I have a crush on you, is like, judo's just a joke, it's, it's kind of bad, so, so yeah, I would recommend the manga more than the anime, because I feel like, even though the anime is funnier at times, I feel like the manga doesn't have that, so I did not like that, by the way, like, it was annoying when I first watched this show, and it had that in the show. But overall, I think it's a decent series. So yeah. Anyways, you guys, if you want to send us a message on Spotify for podcasters, there'll be a link in the description below. We also on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and that's it. Because we're not doing threads anymore, which are at Takes pod, And that's everything, so goodbye.